Welcome back to Knock, Knocked Out the Podcast from Women's Health Melbourne with Dr. Raylia Lou. Welcome, Raylia. Good morning. I don't really know much about today's topic. It's come from you and it's got the title fibroids. Yeah, well, fibroids, are, it's, they're, they're things that people come to see me about, so I thought we should talk about them. So people do know what they are? A lot of people do. Um, a lot of people find that they're an incidental finding on an ultrasound of their uterus. Oh, okay. So, and they can cause a lot of stress. And I've, in fact, had patients even outside of fertility just in gynaecology, referred to see me because they've had an ultrasound that showed they have a uterine fibroid and they're freaked out about it and yes, it's it just sounds. been an incidental finding for some of those patients. Well, so it doesn't sound like something you'd want to have. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's a common thing though. So what what a fibroid is, is it's a tumour, actually. It's a tumour. So let's make it sound scary. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a benign tumour, so it's not a cancer. Yeah. It's, it's a benign growth, a benign tumour of the uterus. So what that means is it's, it's cells that have over-multiplied and it's now a fibroid or a, a Yeah, thing. it's called fibroid because it's a bit fibrous, it's like okay. the texture. Oh. It's muscle cells that have yeah. gone a little bit fibrous. So it's a little lump. It's a little lump. Sometimes they can be quite big. Okay. Sometimes you can have lots of them. Um, but they they affect quite a lot of people. So at least one in five women will have a fibroid. Sometimes as we get older, as we kind of advance in our reproductive age, up to 50% of women will have a fibroid. If you pulled, pull a woman off the street who's completely asymptomatic and <laughs> subjected her to pelvic ultrasound. Just what everyone wants to do on their weekend. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so I guess um, fibroids are only really important if they're doing something. So you could have fibroids and they're doing absolutely nothing, asymptomatic, nothing to worry about. Yeah. But you could, they could also be doing something. Yeah. So I guess it depends what they're doing. Yes. And that can be ranging from nothing mm-hmm. to sometimes everything when you're trying to get pregnant. So um, how big they are yeah. and where they are. So how big can they get? Yeah, huge. So sometimes you can get really, really big fibroids to the point where they cause pressure symptoms and women can really have really distended tummies because of their fibroids. So some women have a hysterectomy because of fibroids to remove the uterus if obviously they've completed their family yeah. Yeah. because they're having pressure symptoms. Okay. Yeah. Um, so fibroids can cause pressure. Mm-hmm. Often fibroids cause heavy periods. Okay. So as women wow. get older, they just kind of like make the uterus less functionally competent in terms of contracting down, which is one of the ways that period bleeding stops. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that our body physiologically kind of ends a period is by the muscle contracting to stop the bleeding, which squishes the blood vessels and, and helps the bleeding stop. Yes. And having a fibroid, which is kind of like a, a tumour distorting the anatomy of the uterus, can make it less efficient at contracting. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the ways that a fibroid can cause heavier periods. You can have a fibroid that's inside the uterus, inside the cavity of the uterus, that's disrupting the lining of the uterus. And that can impact how the clotting factors work to stop a period bleeding. So that can cause really heavy periods. And one of the reasons to treat fibroids is because women might get anemic from their periods. Um, It can cause, in terms of pressure symptoms, you can have bladder and bowel symptoms as well Mm -hmm. from pressure. And, um, of course, many women with fibroids are completely asymptomatic. Yeah. So what's done about them? Well, kind of like why we're talking about it with with fertility. Mm-hmm. Um, well, firstly, fibroids are rarely the only reason for a couple's infertility. So they're really, really the main 
main problem. cause. So there might be there'll be a something, but they're not the only thing. Yeah. So and sometimes fibroids are better not to have, but you wouldn't necessarily want to do anything about them. Yeah. Because how do you remove it? Well, it, it's sometimes on balance better not to remove them. Yeah. Um, you can remove them by surgery. Um, there's really uterine conserving surgery and hysterectomy mm -hmm. in terms of how you remove them because they are generally confined to the uterus and so you can actually just remove the uterus to remove them. Yeah. But that's obviously not particularly helpful if you want to have a baby. No. So surgical removal of fibroids is called, called myomectomy, M-Y-O-mectomy. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, and what you do is you can do that either from a laparoscopic approach, which means through a keyhole surgery, or through an open approach, make a cut in the uterus, shell out the fibroid and remove it and then sew up. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so that, that's what you would do if you felt the fibroid was interfering with fertility um, in terms of a baby implanting and growing inside the uterus. That's not the only way a fibroid can interfere with fertility because if a fibroid distorts the anatomy of the uterus, but doesn't actually affect the cavity of the uterus inside area where the, where the baby grows, it can still affect whether fertilisation happens because it might affect how the fallopian tubes work and how the openings of the fallopian tubes um, are. It can distort or deform the openings and that can reduce the chance of sperm and egg getting together. And it can also, a fibroid can distort or deform the cavity of the uterus itself. And, and they're the kind of fibroids that you probably would remove. Sometimes fibroids can change the cervical anatomy, the cervix, which mm -hmm. is the neck of the womb. That's really difficult to deal with, yeah. really difficult. Um, we talked about how they can alter uterine contractility, so how the muscle the contracts. Um, and, um, well, it just, in terms of, of muscle contractions, I think that's kind of a pretty subtle effect on fertility. Um, I guess when you do have, um, you know, the the sperm and egg and the embryo going down the fallopian tube into the uterus contractions part of the physiology. So yes. that's, that's how it's like the gentle waves propel the embryo forward. So I guess that could, you know, theoretically be a way. Um, and certainly if the fibroids inside the uterus, it can definitely interfere with fertility and it can cause actually recurrent miscarriage okay. if you have what's called a submucous fibroid, which is a fibroid inside the actual cavity of the uterus. Mm -hmm. um, and as a basic rule of thumb, only fibroids that distort and deform the cavity of the uterus, either from below or from actually being inside the cavity itself, really affect implantation. And they should be removed for patients who are seeking fertility. Yes. But their other fibroids may make it less likely for sperm and egg to get together and actually an embryo to make it to where it needs to be. So sometimes IVF helps those patients. Okay. Yeah. So... In terms of submucous fibroids, the ones that are actually projecting into the inside of the uterus, I had a patient recently who had a baby normally, naturally, no problems, and then subsequently kept having miscarriages. And she came to me for help. And one of the things we did was we did a hysteroscopic resection of a submucous fibroid, which is a fibroid. So a hysteroscopic resection is like we, we resected the fibroid, we, we did what's called a myomectomy, but we did it from an approach with a tiny little telescope that goes through the cervix mm -hmm. and it's got a little instrument that uses electricity that's like a little scalpel and we gently remove the fibroid from inside the uterus without actually disturbing the rest of the uterus and she got pregnant and naturally and, and yeah and kept it so um that was very satisfying yes um treatment 
So in terms of, um, you know, the space inside the uterus, the, that's where the embryo implants and that's where the placenta forms and the baby grows. So that, that was affecting um, her placenta forming. Mm -hmm. So she was losing normal pregnancies um, and removing the fibroid. So how was that diagnosed? That was ultrasound. Ultrasound. Yeah. So she had she had an ultrasound, a high quality ultrasound. So important to have high quality ultrasound. So there's lots of ultrasound places around, and you know, lots of patients ask, "Oh, can you send me to a bulk billing place?" But what patients need to understand is that if you re want really detailed information about your uterus, and if you want 3D reconstructions on the best equipment to help guide your fertility specialist to make surgical decisions, then you know you need to go to a high quality ultrasound provider and there are actually a group of gynaecologists who sub-specialise in ultrasound. So they're actually gynaecologists who've done six years of training, delivering babies and surgery and lots of things and then they've decided that they want to go into the ultrasound specialisation of just looking at lady parts and they are just going to you know be the best doctors to do these kind of examinations. So the same way that you've gone the route of sub-specialty getting the CREI yeah. and becoming a fertility specialist super specialist, they've gone the way of becoming a specialist in... In women's ultrasound. Yeah. And so what, what they would generally do to look for a submucous fibroid is they'd put some fluid inside the uterus, called a saline sonohistogram, and then they'll use a 3D ultrasound probe and do a 3D reconstruction of the uterus, and it's the best way to see whether a, a fibroid is, is projecting into the cavity of the uterus, and that's how my patient's fibroid was found. Yeah. So, um, that sounds a bit invasive, but it's look, not. look, do you know what? It's kind of like when you remove a submucous fibroid, you do it through the natural opening of the cervix. Mm -hmm. It is complicated, not every gynecologist can do it. Um, fertility subspecialists take special training to do this kind of surgery. Um, but in terms of you know the actual impact of the surgery, you know, there's no visible signs that a person's had surgery. You know, you, you're putting a little telescopic instrument through the natural opening of the cervix. We use a special fluid called glycine mm -hmm. to kind of distend the cavity so we can see the fibroid really well and just chip away and remove the fibroid. And it's done under local general? General anaesthetic. Yeah. So day procedure in hospital generally. Yeah. Um, but it's very satisfying. One thing about the submucous type of fibroids, the type that project into the cavity, because you're actually just taking them back to the level of the normal muscle... That kind of fibroid removal doesn't weaken the uterus and you'd still be able to have a normal birth without worrying about the uterus being weak. Mm -hmm. um, other fibroids that are in the wall of the muscle that we sometimes remove, um, so maybe they're growing under the uterine cavity and, and without actually being in it but still d distorting it um, and changing its shape and we worry that it might be impacting on, on, f on implantation. If you cut through the uterine muscle from the outside all the way to the fibroid and remove the fibroid and sew it up again, you're creating a weak spot. And most of the time, um, women would be advised that they shouldn't have a normal birth after that. Okay, so that, that could potentially impact them carrying the baby as well or just the birth? No, more the birth. It's more that labour where the uterus contracts and contracts and contracts okay. for hours and hours. You'd be worried that there'd be a weak spot and the, the area of the scar might rupture. Right. And that that might cause, you know, kind of disaster for the mum and baby. So in terms of um, in terms of labour plan, that's one of the other reasons not to do a myomectomy unless you really need to because... It will affect your labour plan. It, might, it will definitely affect whether you can have a normal birth. Um, so, yeah, there have been 
you know, and data on the removal of intramural fibroids or fibroids in the wall of the uterus where the endometrial cavity is not distorted is not particularly convincing. It's, it's obviously better not to have the fibroids, but there's not a lot of evidence that removing those kind of fibroids is going to actually change outcomes in terms of fertility. Okay. So, Which is why we don't always remove. Yeah, they may be better off left alone. So, you know, it's often patients may be very alarmed that they have these fibroids. Yes. But... Well, it sometimes it's a scary thing, but actually, yeah. Sometimes the best advice is do nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, if the fibroids uh, can be removed from the lining of the uterus through a hysteroscopic approach, like I was describing through the telescopic approach, that is the ideal way. Um, but when you do remove fibroids that are in the muscle of the uterus and the muscle wall. Um, then they have to be removed by either an open or a laparoscopic, which is a keyhole approach mm -hmm. and if they are removed through a keyhole approach then what we do to get them the big fibroid out the tiny hole is we chop it up so there's something called a morselator which is basically like a meat grinder I know it sounds terrible <laughs> but it, it's, it's, that's basically what it is <laughs> that's basically what it is and and you know kind of surgeons who do laparoscopic myomectomy what what um what they do is they incise the uterus using laparoscopic instruments um, often injecting into the uterus um, some hormone to make the, um, the blood vessels constrict a little bit so there's not as much blood loss. Yep. And then um, the fibroids removed, they sew up the uterus and then insert a bag, which is a kind of plastic bag, a strong yep. plastic bag, and then they put the fibroid in the bag and then the fibroid's chopped up into lots of little pieces. And I just want to say to people, you can actually find this on YouTube and watch it. Oh, yeah, well, look, it's, it's, <laughs> I, can, I can understand that to someone who's not surgically inclined, it may appear a little gross. It sounds just weird that they cut, cut you open and put a bag in. Yeah, but look, the reason for that is actually it's really serious. It's to cleanly take it out. It's to cleanly take it out. And most fibroids are completely benign. Most fibroids have no potential to turn into a cancer. But in less than one in a thousand cases, yes. within the centre of a fibroid can be a really serious kind of cancer called a leiomyosarcoma. So the sarcoma we just... We do know sarcoma's bad. Sarcoma's a... It just means a tumour of muscle and okay. the fibroid's part of the uterine muscle. Okay. Uterus is a muscle. Um, smooth muscle, special muscle, but it is a muscle. Um, so, lots of people don't think of the uterus as a muscle, but it is. Yes. The does womb. It does a lot of work. Yeah, it's hard-working muscle. Anyway, um, the fibroids are now, the gold standard is to chop them up in a bag, morselate them in a bag because there have been a few cases around the world a few years ago where fibroids were morselated without the bag Yes, and um, there have been cancers found in the middle of them and that's been spread throughout the tummy. So that's why that's done that way. Um, personally, I don't do the um, kind of laparoscopic surgery which removes fibroids. I have a few really sub-specialised colleagues that I refer to for that particular technique. Um, it, I feel that if it's not something that you do on a daily basis, because it's not a common thing that I would do for fertility for the reasons that I described, I do the hysteroscopic resection of fibroids inside the uterine cavity really not infrequently, but the, the removal of fibroids is not always necessary for fertility. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, um, you know, I just feel that when, when... And I feel this in all areas of medicine, actually, that when something is really specific and super specialised, you're better off having 
you know, a surgeon who does it all the time and who is ultra good at that particular thing, doing yes. more cases rather than everyone doing a little bit of it. Yes. Um, and in terms of fertility, when I treat my fertility patients, I know that they're getting the best possible care by coming to me, whereas I feel with laparoscopic myomectomy that, that they would get the best possible care if I would refer them to someone who I feel is an expert surgeon in that area, and that's what I do. Yeah. But in terms of open myomectomy, it's, it's, a, it's a really actually quite safe and easy operation, but it's a big deal to have a big cut in your tummy. But from a woman's perspective, if you have an open myomectomy, which is removing a fibroid from the uterus through an open cut, it's a little bit like having a cesarean. Okay. So it's a similar kind of recovery. Yeah. Um, and you have a similar kind so of cut. So it is a longer recovery than having a laparoscopy. Yeah, yeah. So why would you do myomectomy open and not laparoscopic? Yes, probably something to do with the size. Yeah, it's to do with the size of the fibroid. Size, location of the fibroid, patient preference, obviously. Some people yeah. don't like the idea of the morselation. Right. Um, but in terms of um, if there's multiple fibroids, like lots and lots of fibroids... It's good to go in and have a look. And you also to sew it, the uterus up and achieve yeah. maximum strength. Yes. Um, because when you do sew it up laparoscopically, um, you know, kind of there's only a limited number of layers that can be done and things like that. But in terms of open myomectomy... I've had a few patients in my practice where I've done open myomectomies recently who've had successful pregnancies afterwards and, and what they shared... So one of my patients was having um, torrential bleeding with her periods, mm. torrential bleeding. She was literally compromised by them. She was iron deficient. She was anaemic. Um, so this is and, more than um, a period. And she was trying to get pregnant. Yeah. So what we did was we used hormonal medication to turn off her cycle just so she could build up. Strength. A bit of strength and a bit of haemoglobin, a bit of a bit of blood yeah. um, kind of um, levels to get her normal and ready for a pregnancy. We did an open myomectomy. We removed lots of fibroids, about five or six that were removed in the same operation um, and reconstructed the uterus. And then she needed to wait three months before we could put an embryo back through IVF. Um, and she happily conceived with her first mm. embryo transfer after a long time trying. Um, and, she, yeah, she was really happy. But it was a lot for her to go through. It was, yes. you know, kind of a lot of pre-surgical planning. Um, but it was a fantastic outcome. Yeah. And then she had a Caesar for her baby. What's the difference between a fibroid and a dermoid? Oh, very different. Totally different. Uh, so another episode? Well, no, I can answer. So basically a dermoid is an embryological cyst. So you've born with it. And it's basically tissue that when you were an embryo, you kind of did the wrong thing. So... Remember, when you're an embryo and when you become a fetus and a baby and a human, you're made up of, you know, you start as, as kind of cells that have lots of potential to become specialised in different areas. Yes. And they're usually following a roadmap quite well to become part of your brain or part of your spine or part of your ovary or part of your kidney. So a dermoid is a group of cells that are just like kind of... You know, they're off track. Didn't turn into anything. Yeah, they, they totally didn't stick with the program. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> they didn't follow instructions. <laughs> and, they, and so a dermoid is an area, often it happens within an ovary, um, but it can happen other places as well. And, um, you know, when you, when you remove an ovarian cyst that's a dermoid, you can often find things like teeth in it, hair, hair fat, sebum, lots of things, yep. tissues from different, different areas. So... They also, it's also yeah. a bag is used for that. Yeah, yeah, oh, just because you don't want to spill it because it's um, full of these interesting, interesting components. <laughs> but um, with the fibroid, it's generally something that is acquired. So it's generally something that you're not born with. It's yep. generally something that develops yes. um, as cell divisions happen and as things go a little bit wrong. So 
just a benign tumour that happens with age. And so that's why, while we say overall about 20% of women have fibroids, but by the time you look at menopausal women, it's about 50% of women have fibroids. Okay. So... So like endometriosis in a way. It's something that you get. It's something that's acquired over time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, the kind of thing. Now, there are some other ways to kind of remove fibroids or to not so much remove but to actually reduce the the fibroid kind of in size Uh, and some of them are promising for fertility like there's a technique of MRI which is basically um, MRI is a non um, kind of non-radiation type of imaging Mm -hmm. um, through magnets yes where energy can be focused on the actual fibroid to kind of burn it and shrink it um, it's promising for fertility, but it's unfortunately we, with fertility we're really careful because you know it, it's you don't want to damage someone's uterus and impact their chance of being a mum. So while surgical strategies have their issues, we know they're safe yeah. in general. So in terms of the MR guided energy to the fibroids and and looking at whether a woman can then afterwards with her uterus having had that technology go on to have a healthy baby and subsequent healthy pregnancies. Unfortunately, we don't have the data yet. Mm-hmm. There are studies that are being done right now and um, they're in under experimental conditions. So it's not something that I would routinely recommend for a woman who's trying to get pregnant. But for women who aren't trying to get pregnant and have fibroids that are causing them issues in other um, kind of spheres of life, mm-hmm. that might be a, a therapy that can be thought about as a non-surgical option. There's also another therapy which is using a radiology procedure with interventional radiology to put a little catheter through the femoral artery and block the artery supply to the uterus. But obviously that could compromise the uterus. It can also compromise the ovary. So people may go through menopause a little bit earlier because some of the collateral blood supply to the ovary, some of the other alternate channels for the ovary um, come through that network of blood vessels. So you can block off some of the blood supply to the ovary. so it's, that's not recommended for uterine artery embolisation. It's called by putting little microbeads to block the uterine artery and therefore starve the fibroids of their blood supply so that they shrink. It's not recommended for women who are trying to get pregnant. So, yeah, that's, um, that's kind of fibroids in a nutshell. Who knew? <laughs> Never heard of them. Thank you. Nothing to worry about. Can all be fixed. Generally. Generally. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Knocked Up, the podcast about getting pregnant. For more information about Raylia, Women's Health Melbourne and how to get pregnant, please visit womenshealthmelbourne.com.au or find us on the socials under Women's Health Melbourne or you can send an email with any future episode requests to podcasts at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. See you next week.